Hello, dear friends, and welcome to another inspiring edition of New Promise Church's weekly sermons. We are truly delighted to have you join us today. Whether you are a longtime member of our congregation or a first-time visitor, we extend a warm and heartfelt welcome to you. Each week, we come together in the spirit of fellowship and reflection to explore timeless truths, gain spiritual insights, and draw closer to our Creator. We believe that through the power of the Word and the messages shared here, we can find guidance, comfort, and a deeper connection to our faith. Before we begin, I'd like to invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts and minds for the wisdom and inspiration that will be shared here today. Whether you're listening from the comfort of your home, during your commute, or as part of our congregation, we encourage you to engage with an open heart and an open mind. As we embark on this journey of faith together, remember that you are not alone. We are a community bound by our shared belief, and we are here to support and uplift one another. Now, without further ado, let us turn our attention to the message that awaits us in today's episode. done with our prayer series 13 sermons and in case you're wondering what's the next series going to be on it's starting next week and it's going to be on the beatitudes matthew chapter 5 so you can get ahead on me reading and praying about that for me matthew 5 uh, 1 through 12 so we're going to take a break today god has put a special teaching on my heart today he just laid it on my heart heavy i was studying for the beatitudes And he didn't tell me in an audible voice, but he laid it on my heart, as he does somehow. And he said, I want you to preach on this today. It's going to be for the betterment of your church. So I'm going to preach today on a sin, a particular sin. And this sin permeates the world and our culture, and it most certainly permeates the church of Jesus Christ also. It's a sin that all of us commit at times, and it's a sin that some of us commit frequently. And I would also venture to say that it's a sin that we have all been a victim of. And the sin that I speak of this morning is the sin of gossip. And you may be surprised to find out today that the Bible actually has a lot to say about the sin of gossip. When the sin of gossip gets rolling in a church, it's like water breaking through a dam. And it's like roaring water, and it devastates everything in its path. And that roaring water goes against the grain of God's purpose for us as a church. And His purpose is love, unity, and oneness at New Promise Church. So we're going to look at God's Word today about the subject of gossip. And let's begin in Ephesians chapter 4, if you'll turn with that together. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And we're going to begin on a positive note here of looking at God's desire for the church of Jesus Christ, and of course here at New Promise Church. 
Ephesians 4, verse 1, I'll be reading out of the New King James Version. The words of the Apostle Paul. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through you all and in you all. You don't have to be a a Greek scholar to understand what God's saying in these few verses here. God's desire for his church is oneness and unity. He wants us to be close. He wants us to be yoked together in the love of Jesus Christ. And in verse 2, he shares some character qualities that we should all share if we're going to be that kind of church. Verse 1, first he says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you. This word beseech, it's a very strong term that means I exhort you, I passionately am asking you this and telling you this. So in verse 2, my new King James says that we we are to have lowliness as individual Christians. It means to have a humble spirit before God and a humble spirit before each other. And then he says gentleness. Gentleness is an overflow of lowliness. When you have lowliness in your heart, you're going to be gentle to others. One of the verses I love in the Bible that deals with dealing with a sinning brother or sister is Galatians 6.1. It says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. When we confront others, gentleness lowliness and then he says long suffering or patience were to endure the weaknesses and sins of others in our church and then he says bearing with one another with one another this is an overflow of patience long suffering others may mistreat you hurt you frustrate you but by God's strength and grace, you continue to love them. This is the qual- These are qualities of a church that have oneness and unity. The qualities of lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, and forbearance will not be found in the midst of an atmosphere of gossip. They will be devoid. What you will find is pride. You'll find the opposite. Pride, harshness, impatience, and vengeance. Those are qualities that go along with gossip. Let's look at our first slide together. Paul echoes in Philippians what he just said in Ephesians. This is what makes Paul joyful. He says, fulfill my joy. And this is what makes me joyful as a pastor if we could have this at our church. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, 
have the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. The, at the root of gossip, you are not doing that. You're actually trying to esteem yourself better than somebody else. You see, we gossip about somebody with wrong motives. We push them down, oftentimes, so we could build ourselves up. And it's really a fruit that we don't know who we are in Christ, that we need to do that with people. And we all do it at times. We're all guilty. So what does it mean to be of one accord and one, one mind? What does that look like at our church? I'm going to give you four things. These should be four common denom- denominators that hold us together like superglue here at New Promise. Number one, we have one faith. We have the common denominator of Jesus. It was so beautiful. I was up here with the girls who were leading worship today. I don't know them all that well. I'm getting to know them. And we joined hands and we just, we prayed before the service. And it was like, we were just one. We were one like we knew each other for years because Jesus was our common denominator. And one of the girls prayed, we have one father. So Jesus, our one faith, we have one savior and we all have the same father. We're brothers and sisters in Christ and we are a body together. Jesus is the head and we're the body. One faith. Number two, we are one in teaching and doctrine. That is my goal as your pastor. That's why I'm always saying the main things and the plain things. We don't need to get off on peripheral things and have division, but the things that are orthodox, doctrinally, we want to believe together. And we're so excited because we're just in the, almost at the tail end of doing revisions to our doctrines here at the church because we want them to represent that. Not representing a denomination or a system of theology, but it represents all of our hearts together, what we believe concerning orthodox faith in Jesus. Number three, we are one in obedience. Primarily speaking of the first two great commandments. We love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we love our neighbor as ourselves. So we have that in common. We love God and we love people. That ties us together. <clears throat> and number four, we're one purpose. Our one purpose is the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have taught you. So we're all about, we want to make disciples, we want to get people baptized, we want to teach them the Bible, we want to serve the Lord together. One faith, one doctrine, one obedience, one purpose. When there is oneness in these four areas, there will be fruitfulness and effective ministry for the kingdom of God. And I know that's what we want here. And I want to give you a biblical example of that in Acts chapter 2, if you'll turn to that. Acts chapter 2. Verse 40. 
This is the beauty and the excitement of the early church and the oneness they had. Starting at verse 40, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Wow, what a model of just love, thinking about others, and let's go out and serve Jesus. And what did God do? He blessed them. People were just getting saved by the droves. Oh, that's our prayer for new promise. Now we have an adversary, Satan, the deceiver, the father of lies, who has a very strong goal of destroying that unity in this church. And one of his greatest weapons is the sin of gossip. So what I'm going to start here doing is I want to define the sin of gossip. And I'm going to do so first by just giving you some simple examples. The title of my sermon is The Subtle Sin of Gossip because it can actually be very subtle. We don't even notice how bad it is. For example, someone says, did you see Ken and Mary in the fellowship hall after church? Man, was he rude to her. I wonder how she puts up with that. Do you know what I heard about one of the elders? He has a criminal record and has spent time in prison. Who would have known? You wouldn't believe how Susie treated me after Bible study. I tried talking to her and she totally gave me the cold shoulder. I wonder what her problem is. Larry came to me for some marriage advice last night. I found out he's been married two other times. Let's pray for him. I'd hate to see a third divorce. These are some examples of gossip. Masked in concern, excuse me. Hate to see my shoe come off and come tumbling. Okay. Next slide, please. Oh, it's up. Okay, so this is a definition I put together for gossip. Hopefully you have time to write it down or listen to the sermon again or get it from me. But I would, I would encourage you to know this. Because if you know this definition, the Holy Spirit will use it in your life. Gossip is sharing information about others often without their knowledge or consent. It usually includes negative, personal details which are usually unverified. Sometimes the details are true and sometimes false. Either way, the intentions are rarely good and the information shared is often unkind and unnecessary. Gossip is also sharing anything about someone when the act of sharing 
is not part of the solution to that person's problem. It's an earful there. So that's something you're going to want to ponder on. So what does the Bible have to say about gossip? What are some scriptures? Well, let's look at our first one on PowerPoint. One of the names of a gossip is a talebearer. A talebearer is simply a gossip. And the Bible says, a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. So one of the traits of a gossip is a gossip reveals secrets. We share things that shouldn't be shared. We share things that should not be brought out into the open. They should be concealed. And a faithful person conceals them. And we often do this because we lack love. Anytime we gossip, we are lacking the love of Christ. Next scripture, please. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates the best of friends. The New Testament echoes this in 1 Peter 4.8. It says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. The love of Jesus in your heart does not want to expose other people's sins. Love wants to cover people's sins. Love wants to protect people and protect their reputation. 1 Corinthians 13, 6 and 7 echoes this. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love believes the best about people, not the worst. Love also functions in the spirit of Matthew 7, 12. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you suspect you're gossiping, ask yourself, would I want somebody talking about me in this manner? The golden rule. The Bible has another name for gossips too besides talebearers. It's very interesting. They're called whisperers. Very appropriate. Let's look at our next scripture. A perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. You don't have to look this up now, but in Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 31, Paul gives a bunch of really sinful qualities of someone who has a debased mind, someone who is evil. There's like, I think, over 20 descriptions. Right smack in the middle of them is whisperers. That's how serious God takes gossip and us whispering about others. Why do we whisper? You whisper because you don't want people to hear what you're saying. You only want the people you're whispering to to hear what you're saying. Now, certainly there's appropriate times to whisper. You know, when I'm in the come down from something and my wife whispers in my ear that I said the wrong scripture verse or something. <laughs> she, she doesn't want everybody else to know. She just wants me to know for future reference. But when you're whispering, 
Ask yourself, why am I whispering? Why don't I want someone to hear me right now? Do you start talking and someone walks in the room and you start whispering? Because you don't want them to hear? When you're whispering, that's a time to ask the Holy Spirit to check your motives and to make sure you're whispering for proper reasons. And it's good to know at the end of the day, God's got really good hearing aids. He hears it all, what we're saying. I'm going to give you seven characteristics of gossip that's going to help you hammer home the definition. Number one, gossip is sin. Let's call for what it is. Gossip is sin. It's a fruit of the flesh. It's a fruit of your sinful nature. And how do we know this? Because it's rooted in other sins. Namely, jealousy, envy, hatred, and sometimes slander. Slander is when you lie or exaggerate something about someone. That's like a whole nother level of gossip that the Bible said God hates slandering. Gossip hurts people, divides people, damages relationships, damages reputations, and it produces distrust and disunity in the body of Christ. Number two, gossip is a sign of carnality and spiritual immaturity. When you read the, ber- the, the word carnal in the New Testament, it means someone who's not walking in the Spirit. They live in the flesh. Their, their old sin nature is controlling them. Let's see an example of that in our next verse. Paul told this to the Corinthians. He said, For you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? In other words, you're not, a, you're not behaving like a child of God who's filled with the Holy Spirit, who's been redeemed. You're acting like a mere man, a pagan who hasn't been saved. When we gossip, that's what we're like. Number three, gossip is subtle. We think because we wrap something up in truth, that makes it okay but it's not okay. Gossip is sharing truth devoid of love, as I shared earlier. It's also subtle because sometimes we disguise it in false motives of compassion and prayer. We talk about people because of our great concern for them and our motivation to pray for them. Did you you hear about You know, Larry and Mary, you know, I heard Mary's not a Christian. We need to pray for them. If she's an unbeliever, we wouldn't want to see them unequally yoked because we love them so much. We're concerned for them. Now, sometimes prayer is a motivation. But once again, the Holy Spirit's got to check all of our hearts. Truth be told, we seldom pray for people we gossip about. Maybe sometimes we do but we seldom do. And truth be told, we probably seldom gossip about people we pray for because we've released them to the Lord. So prayer's probably a good deterrent against gossip. Number four, gossip discredits the gospel 
and tarnishes our witness for Christ. Next verse, please. What a powerful verse this is. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You want people to come in here and know that we're followers of Jesus? When they see we love each other, they know that. If we're gossiping, there's disunity, distrust, cold shoulders, unforgiveness. Why do they want Jesus? Why would they want Jesus? You know, what is Jesus doing for them that he's not doing for me? Number five, gossip spreads like cancer. Next scripture. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles and they go down into the inmost body. When you gossip to somebody, it's usually about a serious issue, sin, hurt. It goes into somebody's heart. They receive it. And oftentimes, like the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and they tell other people. And it spreads. And they tell one person, and that person tells another person, and that person tells three people. And just like a wound opening up, they say sometimes they don't want to do surgery when someone has cancer because as soon as it's open and oxygen gets under, it spreads. That's how gossip is. A wound gets open and gossip spreads like cancer. And here's the, the awful thing about it is my friend Mike may have hurt me at 10 o'clock this morning and at 12 o'clock I go tell Tony that Mike hurt my feelings. What a jerk he is. Tony goes on and starts telling people and at 12.30, Mike comes and apologizes to me, and we make up. All done. But his reputation in the gossip continues. It spreads like cancer and gangrene. Number six, when you gossip, you are acting like the devil. One of the names of the devil in Revelations 12.10 is the accuser of the brethren. It's one of the top things on his list he knows we fail. He knows how we feel condemned when we fail. And he's the finger pointer. You did this, and you did that, and you did this. And that's what we do with gossip. He did this, and she did that, and they did that. We are not only acting like the devil, we're, we may actually be a tool of him. He's using us to condemn someone through gossip. And number seven, finally, gossip is an unbiblical response to sin and conflict. There are many motivations for gossip. I've named a few. Jealousy, envy, hatred. But I believe the number one reason most of us gossip is because someone has hurt us and we have chosen an unbiblical way of dealing with hurt. So today, I'm going to teach you how to biblically deal with those hurts so we can repent of our gossip. Let's turn to Matthew 18 together. Matthew chapter 18. <clears throat> some things in God's Word are not always easy to understand, but some are so clear and practical, and this is one of those. Verse 15, 
Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell your best friend and all the people at your office, and you have gained your brother. Doesn't say that, does it? Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him, ready for this word, alone. You and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. You go tell him, I'm hurt. You hurt me when you said that. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I, I didn't realize that. Please forgive me. I forgive you. Solve. Well, what if they're resistant and they don't, they don't want to repent? Verse 16, but if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Maybe then you take somebody else and you confront If that doesn't work, God gives us stage three. Verse 17, and if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Come talk to me. Talk to one of the elders. Maybe we got to get leadership involved. This is the pattern of church discipline. Now, and then it says, finally, if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. This is what's called church discipline. Someone who just won't repent can get excommunicated from a church because there'll be cancer in the church. But God gives several stages to help people to do the right thing. So you may have a question, well, what if I need counsel? What if, you know, I'm in a situation with someone and I don't know what to do? Is it okay to talk to somebody? Well, that's another one of those things we can disguise it and I need counsel. But let's say you sincerely need counsel. You don't know what to do. I'm going to give you three characteristics of a, of a good counselor, of someone you can talk to. Number one, someone who is mature in the Lord. They know the Word of God, and they have a reputation of having wisdom. Number two, someone who is willing to point out your sin in the situation. Oftentimes, that's not going to be one of your best friends. It may be. I have good friends that I can go to for counsel. They will tell me the truth. They will tell tell me what I need to hear. But I have other friends that won't. Number three, someone who will seek God's will above yours. You may have an agenda when you come for counsel, but they're not thinking of your agenda Above all, they're thinking of God's will. More often than not, this is going to be a spiritual leader, a pastor, an elder, your Sunday school teacher, small group leader. That's who you should probably be going to if you don't think you can go to the person and confront them yourself. What if you are the offender rather than the offended? Let's look at our next scripture. Now, this is Old Testament talk. It's talking about the temple, but we can, we can uh, relate this to the church. If you bring your gift to the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. So you come to church, you want to offer God the sacrifice of praise, but you know somebody on the other side of the church has had a grudge against you for weeks and you guys haven't dealt with it 
forget about worship. Go grab them, go into one of the rooms, and you guys talk. That's how you get rid of the cancer. That's the biblical way. So here's the wonderful biblical principle that God's given us. Matthew 18, someone's offended you, go to them. Matthew, you know you've offended somebody, go to them. The offender and the offended are supposed to be moving towards each other, not sweeping it under the rug, not ignoring this, but doing it God's way. Now listen to me when I tell you this. I'm going to pull a Charles Stanley on you. Now listen. Watch this. This is important. No one in this church should be avoiding another person or giving the cold shoulder to another person in this church. Now, if you have a problem with somebody, I have so clearly laid out the scriptures, the truth of God's word, you need to go talk to them. Now, there is another option. You can have love that covers a multitude of sins. Every time somebody offends you, you don't got to go to them. Sometimes somebody just is in a bad mood and maybe they're a little rude to me here. I don't have to go confront them. You have love. You covered it. I have bad days too. So if you can cover it and forget about it, then just let it go. But if you're thinking about it for weeks and you see them in church and you're walking the other way, uh uh-uh. You're killing the love and unity in our church. You're killing it because you're not obeying God's word. This will take courage. This will take supernatural strength. This will take Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know it's hard. I've had to have confrontations with some really good friends of mine. It's hard. But man, there is something beautiful about when you go and you hash it out and you cry together and you forgive each other and you hug. And it's like it never happened. It's so beautiful. But when you let it fester, it just becomes uglier and uglier and uglier. And then your mind starts playing tricks on you about the other person. It's just not God's way. We're wrapping it up now. What about just listening to gossip? You say, well, Joe, I don't really, I don't gossip. I just sometimes I'll sit there and just listen. You know, I don't gossip. Let's look at our next scripture. An evildoer gives heed to false lips, and a liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. Do you sit and listen to someone who has false lips and a spiteful tongue? God says you're an evildoer and a liar. I didn't say it, he said it. It's not a good thing to listen. It's giving affirmation. Next verse, please. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. If, you, if, if you're in a workplace and you know at this table every day at 12.30 all the ladies are gossiping, go, go sit at another table. Don't associate with that. Sit at another table. Stay away from that if you can so you're not tempted. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We need to stop gossip in his tracks, and I'm going to tell you how to do it right now. First, you've got to repent of it yourself. 
And the next time somebody tries to gossip to you, here's what you tell them. Gently, but firmly say, I'm sorry, but you're telling me something I really don't think I should be listening to. I suggest you take this to the Lord and the people involved. That's going to take some courage, but it's, it's a loving statement. And I've said it to people, and man, <laughs> you want to lay conviction on somebody, you stop them in their tracks most of the time. They don't know what to say. But it's the right thing to do. And last verse on the screen. <clears throat> Here's the result. Look at this. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no tail bear, strife ceases. You can't build a fire without wood. And if we don't want strife in our church, we get rid of the tail bearing. And strife ceases because we do it God's way. Let's turn to one last scripture together on a positive note. We're going to read it out of Ephesians and then we'll be done. Ephesians chapter 4. And please know this, I could write this sermon with such clarity because I'm so guilty of gossip in my life, and I'm still guilty of it. I still slip into it. I still have to repent of it. It's just something we have to continue to repent on, but I do it far less than I ever have because the Lord's sanctifying me, progressive sanctification. So here's a good word for us in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read verse 29 through 32. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Let's pray. Lord, we bow and worship you right now, and we acknowledge that your word is a, is a two-edged sword. It is living and powerful, and it pierces our hearts. My heart is pierced by this sermon, Lord. I pray that others are too. Convict us of our sin. Exhort us and encourage us, Holy Spirit, to obey your word. Because I know as we do, you are going to bless this church with fruit, with souls, with disciples, with the fragrance of Christ. Cleanse us, Lord. Search all of our hearts. See if there be any wicked way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Let's stand for our last worship song. Good morning.
benediction this morning is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, greatness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Go in peace. Spread the love of Jesus. Amen.